I will never forget that morning. It was springtime. It's coming out of the last few days of the wet season. We got up very early that morning at dawn. The Friday before had been the most horrible day that I remember. Jesus died that day. I watched him die. And there was no way to help him. The crowd had adopted this mob mentality and somehow when that happens, people get caught up in it. They were angry and loud, really loud. But I, I don't think they really understood what they were doing. I was there with the other Mary and with Salome, but we kept our distance. We did not want to get caught up in what was happening. It all seemed so surreal, so extreme. Just days before, people had been um, so excited to hear Jesus teaching. And then there was nothing we could do. I watched Jesus. I think he could have put a stop to it if he chose to. But somehow he didn't. It was the most passive that I've ever seen him. He just let things happen to him. Why didn't he stop them? Looking back at it now, I guess I understand a bit more, but it was so difficult to watch it play out. So painful. It's kind of the kind of thing that you you don't want to watch, but you also can't look away. Crucifixion really is the most awful way to die. A punishment reserved for the worst offenders. What were they doing to our Messiah? The crowds eventually left and the sky turned black. And we stayed, we waited. I wanted to know what would happen to him. We also didn't quite know what else to do at that point. We felt so helpless. Eventually, the soldiers took him down from the cross. And there was an honourable man, Joseph, who had gone to the governor and asked that Jesus' body be released to him. The governor agreed and Joseph took Jesus' body up to where the graves are to a tomb that was kind of carved out of the rock. Mary and I, we followed him. We knew that Jesus' body would need to be anointed for burial. So we watched where they took him. Joseph um, had this enormous round stone that was covering the entrance to the tomb. And he and the men who were with him rolled it away and they put Jesus in there just before sunset when the Sabbath started. And that Sabbath was one of the longest days in my memory. We were anxious about being able to prepare the Lord's body for burial. It was important. He needed to be honoured. 
but we were also afraid of the Pharisees and the chief priests. They had somehow inspired the crowd to insist on Jesus' death. It seemed that they would stop at nothing to put an end to the teaching and the life that Jesus had inspired. Jesus had been healing people who were lame from birth, giving people sight who were blind. He cared about women and children. He let us be present when he taught. He encouraged us to walk with him. He was so different to other rabbis, to the Pharisees and the scribes. He had a caring word and a tender heart for everyone who seemed to be excluded from power. But to those in power, he spoke with this authority and he kind of showed them up. He was the smartest man that I had ever met and also the most humble. Jesus' um, appointed disciples went into hiding that day. I think they weren't sure what to do. And to be honest, it was a dangerous time to be connected to Jesus. So that Sabbath we prayed and we cried and we sat and we sat. It was like a great darkness had fallen over the group, a great sadness, a despair. Looking back, I suspect we're all experiencing a level of shock. There weren't any words. I just remember thinking that there was nothing that could be said that would make this okay. There were no words, no actions that brought comfort. When the Sabbath finally ended at sunset, Mary and I began to get practical. It was really the only way to get through the grief. We gathered um, herbs and spices and we prepared things to take with us as soon as it was light. We couldn't do much, but for this one who had cared so deeply for so many, for our Lord, we could honour him in death. I don't really remember sleeping, but I remember that morning. I will never forget that morning. It was springtime coming out of the last few days of the wet season. And we got up early that day, at dawn. We got everything together and Mary and I headed out of the house very quietly so as not to disturb anyone. I'm not sure what we talked about on the way, but um, halfway out of the city towards the graves and the tombs, we worked out that maybe we should have disturbed someone. You see, in our haste, to leave and to carry out the proper anointing of Jesus' body, we'd overlooked that there was this giant stone sitting across the entrance to the tomb, too big for the two of us to move it. Yet somehow, maybe it was the grief, um, we kept walking towards the tomb rather than back. We'd figure it out. We're pretty practical. And we are tougher than we look. As we got closer, we saw that there were some Roman guards placed outside the tomb. <laughs> this um, seems like an odd thing to remember, but I remember that it did seem odd to me. Jesus was dead after all. They'd killed him. It wasn't like he was going to escape. But then I said to Mary, you know what? Maybe they'll help us roll the stone away. And then it happened. 
Though, I mean, even now, I don't really know what happened. The earth shook. I don't know if you've ever experienced an earthquake, but it's loud. It's really loud. And the ground kind of waves. We weren't able to stay standing. In fact, the guards fell over too. And then kind of at the same time, although perhaps it happened just after, the stone covering the entrance to the tomb moved and there was a bolt of light. It was like lightning, but it stayed lit. And I know how that sounds. It sounds crazy, but that's what happened. The guards just didn't stand up. I thought in that moment that they were dead and I was scared. I remember gripping Mary's arm really tightly. And then the light that had kind of stayed dissipated a little bit. And there was, I guess I'd say he was an angel, a messenger from God. And he sat there perched on top of that stone and I think in that moment, I went from scared to absolutely terrified. And then he spoke to us. I'll never forget it. He said, don't be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he's been raised just as he said. Now go quickly and tell the disciples that he is going ahead of them to Galilee they will see him there. It took a moment for us, but we actually did go to the entrance of the tomb and look inside. The linen cloth that Joseph had wrapped Jesus' body in was in there, but Jesus' body wasn't. The tomb was empty. In that moment, there were equal parts joy, disbelief, and relief flooding through me. There isn't really a way to describe it, but I just had this overwhelming sense of hope. From that day before when we'd been in darkness and despair, suddenly I felt comfort. I can't even now really explain that feeling. Deep joy. That's the best I've got, deep joy. The kind of joy that comes deep from within your belly and it, it's the kind of joy that filled us with energy and we ran. <laughs> Prior to that day, I couldn't tell you the last time that I'd run anywhere. When I was a child, I imagine. Running isn't dignified and it's not practical in a long dress. But all I could think was getting to the disciples as quickly as possible. I remember thinking that I didn't want to forget the message that the angel had given us. I now realise I'll never forget it. And then, as we ran towards the house where the disciples were, we ran into Jesus. Just saying that sounds so odd, but he just appeared. He was just there and he stopped us and greeted us as though nothing had happened. And all that joy that had started me running overflowed in tears and I fell at his feet. And I just touched him. He was real. He was really alive. He was the Messiah. I knew it. 
I knew it in my heart in that moment. And he spoke to us. He told us not to be afraid. He told us to go to the disciples, to tell them what we'd seen and that they should go back to Galilee and he would meet them there. They'd see him there. Oh, how I wanted to just stay in that moment at the feet of Jesus. I wanted to not let go of him. But I could see that what he was asking us to do was important to him. And he'd asked, so we'd do it. So we left him there and we kept running down into the city to the house where the disciples would be. There is nothing like being the bearer of good news. I'm not sure if you've ever had the privilege of speaking hope into someone's life. But that group of men were as disheartened as Mary and I had been this morning. It was the most beautiful gift to be able to share with them this story. This news that all is not lost, that Jesus was raised. And I watched as the joy that had found its way into my depths and welled up did the same thing with each one of Jesus' disciples. As you get older, you forget some things. You forget people's names. You forget the time that you're supposed to be places. But I'll never forget that springtime morning. There are things in your life that you will never forget. I will never forget that morning. That morning changed my life. Jesus being alive, being resurrected, changed my life. I went from despair to hope. I had a purpose, a mission. That morning, I was given the opportunity to be part of the story of Jesus' resurrection. And Jesus' resurrection became part of my story. It has affected all the areas of my life for good. When we walked around Palestine with Jesus, I saw how to do life well. And through his resurrection, I experienced God's grace and forgiveness for when I fall short of the life that he has for me. And I experienced God's peace and encouragement as I learned to do life well. I wonder what are the moments for you in your life that you will never forget? Why are they so important to you? How have they changed your life? May God bless you this Easter. May you come to know Jesus the way that I know him. May he fill you with deep joy that overflows and may you know the peace and comfort that is only found in God. Amen.